We're delighted to be joined this evening by many will consider a League of Ireland legend in Cor former Cork City and Shamrock Rovers man, Dan Murray. Uh, Dan, thanks very much uh, for joining us this evening. Uh, a bit of a coup for us uh, on Sport in Limerick. Oh, I don't know about that, but thanks for having us anyway. I like the jersey <laughs> behind us anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, enemy territory for yourself um, uh, tomorrow evening, Dan. Um, first of all, I suppose to, to look at your own career and the distinguished career that you had, uh, it started off at a very young age in, in Cambridge, I believe, in an, in an academy setup. Uh, it's probably different to the academy setups of today. Um, maybe more of a, a tough school in Dan. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think, like I said, it was sure like the academy was a big thing back in England when I, I was playing there. Like you went into academy ten years old, eleven years old. It's uh, we're probably a small bit off uh, that, unfortunately, in this country for a lot of clubs, but. That's how it was, yeah. Like I said, it was just just the norm, really. Like, I think I started playing for like full time for Cambridge at 13, and that was like in this country, especially. We have a lot of uh, breakdown between the local leagues and the national league teams. There was none of that when I was younger, when I was in England. It was just a case the best players went to the professional football clubs, that, that was just the way it was, and uh wouldn't have had it any other way really really enjoyed it like uh like I said i had four or five years at Cambridge United before i moved on to peterborough then yeah you moved on to peterborough and obviously from just a bit of research i had done myself would it be fair to say that you when you did graduate to the first team at peterborough uh it was a frustrating time in terms of getting into the first team on a regular basis uh, even though you were pretty young at the time yeah it was i think like you said i uh, got in, made my like, got like a big thing when I was younger was getting the YTS. That was the big goal when I was at school. Like, obviously, probably like a lot of people, school wasn't a big deal, as big a deal as it might have been. And uh, like, all I ever wanted to do was play football, get my YTS. That was the big thing. Then I got into that, and then obviously I made my debut at seventeen, which probably is quite young, especially for a centre half for defenders and that. They normally come a bit later, and then obviously. I probably probably thought I was going up and it didn't really happen. I sort of stagnated a bit and wasn't playing probably, oh, well, I hardly played any games for the actual first team. And then sort of like it sort of, it got harder and harder. And the longer I stayed there, it was less and less likely that I was going to get in the first team. And then short, uh, pretty much came to the manager that he was pretty much saying, I'm not sure you're going to get in the team ever. So that was the time when I came over to Cork City then. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit more prevalent now than in the, the previous years. Since then, you know, players coming over uh, to Ireland, maybe on, even on a short-term basis from England. It was kind of, in your time, it was a lot less uh, prevalent, you know, players coming to the League of Ireland uh, from England. How did that move to, to Cork come about originally? Uh, so it's probably bore some people that they've heard this story so many times, but it was just a case like John O'Flynn. People definitely have heard of him. Definitely Limerick because he obviously Limerick, played yeah. there for a little <laughs> bit. So uh, he uh, he was at Cork City in the same YTS academy that I was in. We were the same age, sort of were obviously good good friends and that. And he he came back to obviously came home to Cove and back to Cork. And started playing for Cork City, and it was literally, I think, uh, Liam Murphy was the manager there, and they've had had a few injuries, and he said, "John, is there any defenders out there that you you, you think might might come over?" And like literally, they rung me, and 
I didn't really have to think too much about it. Like I, like most footballers, all I wanted to do was play. And I thought, right, this might be my best opportunity to, to get a match, to be honest. That was all I was looking for. And it was so long ago now. It was still a winter league. The last winter season was when I joined and I sort of came on loan for uh, about three or four months and sort of loved it. Played every game that I was able to play in and... Uh, sort of like probably say the, the rest is history like it was like then it was a case of they offered me a two-year contract and I was like yep yeah, I'll sign that still a young lad I think I was 20 when I signed that so probably like a lot of players thinking yeah I'll sign that and I may have probably I'd as an English lad I thought right I'll, I'll be going home in the, after a couple of years maybe and maybe have another crack crack at the English league but like as it went on had my two years, then got another contract and sort of just loved it over here. Was playing playing well enough. And like you said, we had a pretty successful period at Cork City uh, in a good team and sort of never came up to really leave till till, till I went to Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, you, you, you answered my question there in terms of did you think that it was going to be a long-term thing when you stayed at Cork? You didn't believe so, but it obviously worked out that way. When you did arrive, Dan, there was a lot of Dublin dominance uh, in the League of Ireland. That was always the case anyway throughout the decades even before you arrived but that was still the case when you arrived was there a, a real determination within the the first group of Cork players uh, to change that when you did arrive originally oh yeah for sure yeah like I said Shells and Bowes were the best two teams but it was probably a time when the league was turning full-time if you know what I mean so they were mm. the two full-time teams and uh, we were challenging them but like I said I think when I joined I had Cork people, Cork players, Dickie Daly, Stephen Napiers, Colin O'Brien, proper Cork, Cork people as well. So they hated losing to the dubs as much as anyone else. And so that got ingrained to me coming into the club that you got to do everything to beat the Dublin the, the Dublin teams. And sure, that was the case throughout my career, really. It just probably slightly changed when I had a little sabbatical up in Shamrock Rovers for a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. It's amazing, actually, uh, Dan, I know that you credit, give uh, Pat Dolan a lot of credit uh, with changing the mindset at Cork City, uh, you know, and changing it to a, to a professional setup. It's amazing, actually, that Pat's been so long out, bar a couple of advisory roles with, with Waterford and maybe Limerick. He's been so long out of the game. Just what was it like to play under Pat Dolan? Because he's, he's, he's seen as such a big character in all over the Electricity League by everyone. Yeah, like I great time for Pat still would speak to him every now and again like I said he was great for he was great for us Cork City in that period really like it was sort of changing into full-time football a young a younger team trying to replace some of the older players and he sort of he sort of was turning the club into a professional and a full-time setup and was probably 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 had to force it through to a lot of people that we had to change our lifestyles and few people had to change this and he was just sort of building the club up as well, sort of turning us. We had, when I started, we had about five or six full-time players. Then Pat took him, we were up to 15 full-time players. And then when he left, we had we had a proper squad. We were a full-time football club, which is credit to himself. And like, he, he, he'd know whatever football club he's at, he never, he never would stop working for him, always pushing, always trying to be better. And like I said, he always thought that his team should be the best team in the division. So... Uh, great time for Pat. Enjoyed playing him under him immensely, and uh, like you said, it was still always a surprise. Like he didn't really ever properly, properly get back involved as a manager in the league, really. 
Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with that. Um, coming into the 2005 season, at the beginning of that season, there was a bit of turmoil down in the fact that Pat Dolan left uh, the team. You had Damien Richardson came in then uh, to manage the club. I do remember the, the final night of that 2005 season. I was sitting here watching the, the Cork and Derry uh, matches as a young fella. Uh, great excitement. You had to beat Derry, if I'm not mistaken, on the night. They went into the game one point ahead of you. Uh, it must have been great elation because it was tit for tat with Derry all season. But to finally get that league victory, uh, it seemed like a great night in Cork. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like you said, you couldn't have made it up. Really, the two doesn't really happen too often. Like the two top teams going for the league title, and we're probably lucky that we had to go out and win. Like it, how what it would have been like if we were Derry when we didn't you didn't you didn't have to win the match, but we knew from the start that we had to win the match and sort of. I think it was like our time, really. It just everything felt right that season, and like everything went for us that we needed to go for us. And th- that night was no no different, really. Like we scored at good times, and in the end, it was a com- comfortable win, really. Yeah, and sort of days to nights to remember. Yeah, certainly the case, and and you had such a strong uh, core to that team. Then in the preceding years, after words maybe in the two years in, in particular after winning the league your, your players were scouted by many you know in terms of uh, you know you had like as you said Liam Liam Carney Greg O'Holler and, and the likes had left uh, your squad seemed to be decimated uh, almost year on year for, for two to three seasons was it disappointing for you that you know you couldn't keep that squad together and get that back-to-back league victory which would have you know cemented your place as a really good or a great team even yeah that was a frustrating thing for you I think uh it was hard. It was difficult. Yeah, it was hard to accept that you think like we've won the league now. You want to keep that squad and you want to add one or two players to that to improve it. Like to be fair, like we, I know we looked at the shells at the time and they were. That's what they were doing. They were they were winning the leagues. And if they didn't, if they if that even if they won the league, they bring one or two players in that would improve them again, take them up a level. But we, we never really done that. I like. I think the the chairman and probably even Damien were trying to find the right players and the right players weren't there or they were too expensive and sort of we got to a glass ceiling and we, we couldn't quite push through it to push on to be, like you said, win, a, win two or three league titles that maybe the, the players that we had or if we'd kept would, would have been able to win. Yeah, certainly. And also, just a word maybe on Turner's Cross as well. Uh, Turner's Cross is obviously one of the best stadiums uh, in the country for, for a long time, Dan. But, you know, when you played, even though, you know, the modernisation of stadiums is brilliant and, and all that, you know, you had the old shed end at the back of the ground at the beginning and yeah. there was an unbelievable atmosphere, you know. It, it almost feels like when you do modernise stadiums, you have that bit of personal touch that goes away uh, with that as well. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, it's... Uh you're not sure you'd be able to stand in the shed if it was there anymore of health and safety and that, but it was perfect. Like I said, it was, it had a special, like everyone would talk about it, like away goalkeepers, away people would always talk about that, that part of the ground. Everyone knows it as the shed and it's pretty, like most people probably got abuse off that or Cork City players have had their name sung from it. And it was, like I said, it was, uh, it was a great place, great place, but like I said, the modernised, the stadiums, uh, it might take a bit from the atmosphere. Uh, it definitely takes a bit from the atmosphere, but like I said, it's uh, uh, Turner's Cross now is a, a super stadium. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it wasn't all rosy, obviously, in your first uh, period with Cork. Then it's been well documented that uh, they, you know, from 2008 maybe onwards, 2009, 
it was there was a lot of problems financially. There was there was a lot of turmoil uh, at the club. You know, players had to leave. Players weren't being paid, and and also you had a bizarre situation where Roddy Collins was drafted in, and I know that that way you weren't obviously Roddy's biggest fan either uh, at the time. Uh, that was a, obviously an uncertain time in in the Cork club and your own uh, situation as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like I said, it was just it was a horrible couple of years, really. Like I said, with the, the club, the English company just gave up on the club and stopped doing anything, and then. Tom Corlin came in and you thought, all right, he's Cork, he's going to have the best interest. And then he just got too much for him in, in the end. And like you said, me and Roddy just didn't didn't really get in, get on from the start. It was probably... You wouldn't be alone in that? No. Dad, you know what? It's the, the weirdest thing because like, he was the first manager, like literally made it as obvious as possible that he wanted me out of the football club as soon as he got there. And... I was thinking, right, I'm the captain of Cork City. And I, I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get my head around why he wanted to do that or what was the reasoning for doing it. And it just just, just didn't work out. The relationship was pretty average. And like I said, uh, like I, said I was lucky that I probably got out before it did because obviously that just before that, the club went completely, completely down the swanee to say. So... Uh, he might have done me a favour, I suppose, trying to get or getting rid of me out of Cork City to to sign for for Rovers when I did. Yeah, you'd have to say that because your time at Shamrock Rovers coincided with a really successful time for Shamrock Rovers, which wasn't the case uh, in the previous decade when the club were in the first division had to come back up and rebuild. Uh, you moved at a, a very good time then and were never present in that Shamrock Rovers team under Michael O'Neill. Uh, you know, it was it was it was a great couple of years, including you know two league titles and uh, Europa League, which everyone remembers. Obviously, Euro- Europa League bow. And actually, I was surprised that it was only two years you were there. But I suppose when when we were all looking on in envy at you at the time, you know, with, with all that success. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like like I said. I think the success we had probably masks how little time I was there. Really, like I, I loved it up there. I would have stayed there for 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 a lot longer, but. Uh... Stephen Kenny, who's not done too bad now, he was uh, he was just said he didn't want didn't want to sign me when my contract was up, which is fair enough. He was a new manager coming in, uh, and and that was that really. But like great memories from there, like you said league titles, the Euro, the sure whenever whichever team you're playing for the Europe games are brilliant. They're just probably as special as they get for a League of Ireland player, I think. And uh, that like the Europa League was really like. That level, you go up, Dundalk players are probably the same. Like The qualifiers are brilliant and they're great. But until you get into that group stage, it sort of goes up the level. The off-the-pitch stuff is on a different level compared to, to the qualifiers and that. And obviously being a Spurs fan, to be able to play at White Hart Lane was pretty special. And uh, like, like I said, it's memories and scoring at White Hart Lane. I, I always remember that, the pictures from that. And... Great memories, really. Like, I've not a bad word to say about the right. My two years of Rovers loved it up there. Would have stayed longer if it was if it was meant to be, but uh, it wasn't in the end. And came back to Cork, and probably was happy enough to come back at that time. Yeah, I know you had a second spell, and I I noticed this might annoy you a bit, but I actually thought you were older. In that I didn't think you had retired. That uh, I didn't realize you were actually still. I think it's thirty-eight now. You retired at yeah. thirty-three. Then was that down to injuries, or was that just a personal choice to retire? 
no, it was like a personal choice, really. Like you said, it was uh, unfortunately the, for the financial side was the the biggest part of why. Like when I came back to Cork, like I said, I had a mortgage and all that to pay for, so I had to get a job, had to get a full time job. Uh, so that sort of I was lucky that I could still play football full time or play football and have a full time job for the few years that I did when I came back. But then, like, obviously, as, like, Cork City was just got promoted when I came back. So they were still uh, sort of growing, really. And then, obviously, John Caulfield came in. He was starting to change it again. We were, the club was going more full-time again, training in the mornings and that. So I was able to do less. And then, obviously, as he done better for the two years that I had with John Caulfield, like, they were trying to compete with Dundalk, who were a full-time football club. So... They sort of went up a level, which happens, and like it was just getting harder and harder to do the two things. And unfortunately, uh, one has to give. And like I said, unfortunately, the financial side of the football world isn't as good in Ireland. So I had to keep the full time job. And like I said, I, like would I have retired earlier? Uh, probably not. But it just it just felt right. And like I would I've gone to a different club I had a few phone calls from different clubs to to go and play for them but if I couldn't if I couldn't commit to it completely I think I'd have been letting them down letting myself down because it would have been hard with the, with the full-time job yeah spoken like a, a true former captain of, of both sides <laughs> Rovers and Cork and to move on to the the, the modern the, the nowadays should I say actually we have Obviously, a big Munster Derby and the first meeting of Treaty United versus Cork City tomorrow. I know you'll have a keen interest in this because you do uh, co-commentary for LOI TV uh, at Turner's Cross uh, as well. Uh, it's What's the mood like then in the Cork camp at the moment? Uh, I, I assume it would probably be a bit of frustration considering there's been three defeats on the bounce now. Yeah, I think it is. I think like uh, they like obviously had a great win against Cove, a tough game to start the season. And like I said, there's... Uh, especially probably the Cabin Teeley game and the Athlone game. Like, they were well in the games and only losing by the, the odd 1-0 def- defeats was hard to take. Like I say, it's, uh, it's a really, it's probably the youngest squad that I've seen Cork City have since since I've I've been in Ireland. And you just have to remember that there's there's not many actual appearances in that team and they're growing as a team. It's going to take a bit, bit of time, I think, like, Obviously, the financial thing to be able to get the better players in is hard, and it's gonna. It's just gonna take a while, I think. Like, there's the right people in charge of the team. Colin Healy's the right man for it, I I believe. And it's it's like I said, it's a tough division. Like I said, if you you're looking at six or seven teams in that division, you're going I'm sure they they'd be able to hold their own in the Premier Division, which which is great. And but it makes it really hard for. Cork City to to be challenging uh, to get get promoted this season. Yeah, that's that's a good point you you bring up and brings you on to the next point. You know, uh, speaking to Noel O'Connor, who you'll obviously know from his time with Pat Dolan, uh, we said you know obviously expectation is always massive in Cork, particularly when you're in the second tier, which is where the club really shouldn't be. Uh, and you know they will be expecting a, a promote. Is that the case, Dan? Will there be a, an expectation from the fans of a big promotion push? Because as you said, maybe the squad doesn't warrant that as uh, at the moment with the likes of Galway and Shelburne, the strength they have. Yeah, I think like everyone I speak to would say they definitely should get promoted. Whereas I'd be a little bit more standoff saying, 
it's harder than you think this like like you said shells the Galways, the ucds the brays the 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 athlone even they've got really experienced players for this division even like premier division players that have dropped down to the to to this division you're going at the minute if you put our players next to their players cork city are probably a small bit behind but mm. well, like you said i think cork city uh should be challenging i believe to be should be challenging for promotion out of the division because it was a it was a big letdown when the club got uh relegated last year which uh is was horrible to see to be honest yeah if, if there was any club that was like ourselves or any city that was like ourselves in Limerick with turbulence in, in League of Ireland it would probably be Cork and they've got a lot more success to show for him in the yeah. last 20 years than, than Limerick people will will be used to uh your the point you make though is right but they also have a lot of quality in the the squad obviously Gerard Morrissey is there which is very high profile we know Keane Coleman as well when he from his time with Limerick FC you've got Dylan yeah. McGlade Stephen Beatty. so you know on top of that there is players that, that can drag those younger players on as well um, it, for for the season too, yeah, definitely. That's what you're looking for. That's why I say they're like it's they're the right people. Like you say, probably Garode and Stephen B. You'd probably definitely say they're Premier Division players. You speak speak about it, and like I said, Keen Coleman, McGlade, and all that. They've done it. They've they, they've got a lot of experience in in the league, whether it's the Premier Division or the First Division. They just like they drag them on. They you want them to drag the young lads on. It's just. Like you said, when you like we haven't haven't scored for a few games, that confidence just drops sometimes in the younger fellas, which we need to like if we can start scoring a few goals here and there. I think the team's going to be in a great position because there's a, like like the games that I've watched so far, there's hardly anything between the teams. You're probably the same with treaty 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 games that you've watched. There's nothing between the teams really. There's like the odd goal. I don't think anyone's really going to be running away with the division to be honest from what I've seen so far I think it's it's going to be pretty tight and if you can keep your best players fit probably for the whole season you, you're going to be in a great position yeah, I certainly agree with that one thing we were both in, in disagreement with I think last week was the straight red card shown to Jack Walsh uh, of Cork City I know that by the letter of the law maybe if you show any sort of aggression whatsoever and players will play on that on the opposition but I have to say Dan it is very frustrating to see that type of play acting and it seems to be rightly in the League of Ireland at both levels now as well as every other part of, of the world yeah I think so yeah it's disappointing like I said it's I think it was where it was on the pitch as well it was right in front of the dugouts and the shells lads went mm. ballistic and I don't I well for the life I don't think the ref must have sent him off it must have been the fourth official because he was the only one that was close enough to it and I'm sure that killed Cork City like they took a, went a goal up got back it their shells got back into it and it won all a pretty even game and then the sending off pretty much sort of killed the game really like I said it was you don't you like you say you don't know who'd be any different if there was supporters there maybe if the supporters there the ref would have gone nah I don't think so but like I said it's it's hearsay, like say it's. Uh, we don't have the old VAR, so uh, we we will never know. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hard one to predict tomorrow evening because I do feel obviously Cork on a big wide open pitch in Waxfield coming off three defeats will be a very dangerous proposition for uh, 3D United. That's that's for sure. Uh, have you been surprised then with with 3D United start um, from what you've seen and the fact that the side are still unbeaten? Yeah, I am. Like, not because they've got some good players. Like, if you look go through the squad, it's, there's some good players, good experience. But it's more like 
unless like how short they've had together, if you know what I mean. Like it's really impressive that they've sort of got together pretty much the, probably the shortest preseason out of every team in the division and sort of hit the ground running. If you know, I, I don't know if anyone really thought they'd start this well as have they had. And it's been really impressive. Like I said, we've like Limerick need to have a football team in the league of Ireland. However many teams there's been, even since I've been over here. So it's great. <laughs> yeah. to, great to see him. And Marcus Field's a lovely place, place to play as well. So it's been really impressive. Like I said, uh, moving in the right direction which is all you can do I like it's probably you probably it's great to great that you probably want to get promoted next season but it's sort of baby steps that the club keeps probably longer than the actual that that you want to keep going really you want to be like you want Treaty United around for as, as long as possible instead of what's happened to the Limerick teams in the past if you know what I mean yeah certainly and that is the focus trying to create that sustainable uh, model for, for the club in the long run uh, obviously I mentioned that you are on co-commentary duty uh, every second Friday night at the moment in, in Turner's Cross Dan uh, I have to say it's commendable to see the, the League of Ireland stream in Turner's Cross it's been superb uh, so far there hasn't been any glitches like there, there has been in, in other grounds but it is a great service for the supporters especially now that lit you cannot go and see a game yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, you know, like, like I said it's really enjoyable I really enjoy talking to it it gets me out on a Friday night it's probably the only way that I can get into the ground at the minute is if I'm on the COCOM. So it's great. And so you might have been so able to swing it some other way. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but it's, uh, they keep telling me it's the only reason I can get in anyway <laughs> if I do the COCOM. So no, it's enjoyable. Like I said, it's uh, it's a great service. I know like we can moan all we want about. It's not ideal. There's no replays in this. But yeah. like we said, baby steps. Let's start with it. We're, we're trying. They're, the FBI are trying with it, which is all we can do sometimes. Look, there's there's... We can talk. We can talk about the bad things about League of Ireland football till the cows come home. But everything we're trying to do is uh, what what we need. If you know what I mean. Yeah, certainly, and it's been great having you with us, Dan, uh, to give the the Cork viewpoint, and obviously speaking about your own career. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with your future endeavours, and obviously with the the co commentary for Cork City. I hope the smile isn't on your face tomorrow yeah. night with the, the result. But uh, we'll uh, we'll see. And uh, once again, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great having Brilliant. you. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us, lads. Thanks, All man. the best. Thank you. Speak to you soon.